0: I love that. I love that. Okay, maybe I'm the only one, but I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. Hey, it's... Uh, no, that's alright. It's not why I said that, but it was really good. It's great to be back with you. It's been a few weeks. And thank you, church family, for allowing me to go. Most of you are aware. Um, I was in Bangalow Hospital or at Bangalow Hospital in Gabon Africa for about a week and a half and our former missions pastor Glenn Hanna, Pastor Glenn Hanna and my daughter Alex got uh, went to went with me the three of us went and spent a good time there and I just want to give you a little update I'm not going to spend a lot of time I am going to come back and do that later Um, and hopefully it's it's just a few weeks maybe right after Easter to do that but Bungalow Hospital um, if you are not for familiar with that is an incredible hospital in the rainforest of Gabon, And now when you think of hospital, you know, AGH is, is right behind our church here. It is nothing in that, uh, in size wide compared to that. So from a, from an exterior standpoint, when you're looking at it, it may not seem like much. But over the course of about a week and a half, we got a grand tour, got to be in, uh, witness a few surgeries and the maternity ward. And I mean, it is an amazing work. And one of my favorite things that we got to do is every night we had dinner, with the missionaries that are serving there, and these are men and women that would be making hundreds of thousands of dollars as doctors and physicians here in the United States, and they have responded in obedience to God's call to go live in a country that they had never visited, to speak a language that they didn't know before they learned it, and to serve. And it's absolutely amazing. And so we had a great time. And many of you have asked about my daughter because you know that uh, I shared with you she's graduating from med school here next month and is pursuing her medical career but also has a calling into missions. And it looks as though she's going to be going back to Bangalore in June for three months and continuing to discern that. And, uh, oh, all right, there we go. Um, it just, it was absolutely incredible and I could spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, I'm going to do that later because I, it, I would rob you of an opportunity um, to bless them. And so, but I need to have a few conversations with our missions committee and our board and elders and all of that. So I'm going to come back and do that. But thank you for your prayers. Um, not only was it just as, as pastor here fascinating and informative for me to learn bungalow hospital as someone who's new to the alliance to understand alliance missions better as a whole and again just to hear the stories of our international workers that are giving their life um, to expand and serve God's kingdom and share the gospel it is absolutely amazing I have to tell you one story we were there and There was a little baby that was three weeks old, and she was born, she weighed one pound, seven ounces. And because of the the surgery and what this hospital provides, they did some injection on her eyes at three weeks old. She would have gone blind had she not had that and here she's going to be able to see in the day that we were there she was going to be able to go home after gaining some weight and i mean it is absolutely fantastic and there is story after story of the incredible work that they are doing as well as sharing the good news and the gospel um i said i was going to share one story but i'll do do another one we were we were getting ready to witness a surgery which i found out pretty quickly i'm meant to be a pastor not a surgeon I don't have the stomach (laughs) for a surgery, but it was amazing as we were standing in the hallway and I was watching these doctors, Gabonese doctors, American doctors, men, women, old, young, and they just bowed their head as the day was getting started. It was about 7.30 in the morning and they just prayed. And then we went into the surgery room and there there was a nine-year-old boy who had a broken jaw who was gonna be wired shut and the anesthesiologists were there and they gathered around this little boy who had to be scared to death and they prayed. And then he was knocked out, and they're getting ready to do surgery, and the surgeons came in, and guess what they did next? They prayed. And I was like, I don't know if we get that in the United States, but it was absolutely beautiful to see the Spirit of God moved with, with medicine and these incredibly gifted people. So, again, it's, it's wonderful to be back and... Um, we're going to look at this, this series over the next three weeks and the message for today. But thank you for the grace in letting me uh, go to Bungalow in Gabon, Africa. So, the Jesus effect. When dead things come back to life. As I was praying and studying and asking God, um, what, what do you have? What message, Lord, do you have for us this Easter? I was, of course, drawn and reminded of Resurrection Weekend and the weekend that we celebrate Uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And then I was also reminded there are three other resurrections in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And one is the widow's son, one is Jairus' daughter, one is Lazarus, and then, of course, there is Jesus. And as we are going to look at those resurrections and talk about their implications for our life as followers of Jesus, leading up to Easter weekend, of course, which is Resurrection Weekend, this magnificent event that Jesus, where Jesus defeats death and it offers hope for all of humanity. However, as as again, as I was praying and thinking about this, oftentimes we look at Easter and we celebrate it solely as an event. Isn't that great what Jesus did for us then that we can have life and hope, which is absolutely true. We should celebrate and remember that. However, the meaning and significance of Jesus' resurrection and resurrection weekend has a greater impact than just an historical event. It also makes it possible that you and I can experience the same life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. It actually reminds me of Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. This is a verse you're probably familiar with. Paul writes... And he says, the Spirit of God, which raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Now, just pause there for a moment. Have you ever thought about the reality of that? Think of that. You with me? The same Spirit that raised Jesus on that Easter morning lives in you and I. The same spirit lives in you and I. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. Now, most certainly we understand that Paul is speaking to the spirit's transforming work in us. That when we put our faith in Christ, we no longer are dead spiritually. We are alive and in one day we will spend eternal eternity with God in heaven. However, this life-giving spirit is also meant to be experienced in our daily walk every day of our life. That same resurrection power we are supposed to experience on a daily basis. Yet so many of us, live day after day, week after week, month after month, even year after year with areas of our life that are desperate need of a resurrection. Dead hopes, dead dreams, dead end jobs, dead careers. We live with dead marriages, dead relationships, with family, with children, dead circumstances. And I am convinced that just about everyone even Christ followers, unfortunately, has some aspect of their life that is in need of a resurrection. So, what is that for you? What area of your life right now is dead and in need of a resurrection? It could be a job. I mentioned a bunch. It could be your marriage, relationships, circumstances, aspirations. What area of your life is dead and in need of a resurrection? And while you have that fresh in your mind, let me remind you of Jesus' words in John chapter 10. Jesus says, the thief, Satan, the enemy, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to bring death. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life not only just life jesus says i have come that you may have it abundantly so if there are areas that are dead in our life if there are marriages and relationships and circumstances and situations that are dead that's the enemy's work it's not jesus's work in our life because he desires that we he brings life and abundantly this is the jesus effect It's the effect that Jesus has in our life. And I pray that you leave here tonight and over these next three weeks, recognizing that Jesus desires to bring life to the dead things in your life. Jesus still desires to bring life to the dead things that are in our life. As we read the Bible, we see this effect that Jesus has with every person he encounters. He brings life. To their circumstances. So today we're gonna look at a particular text in Luke chapter 7. It's a vivid picture of literally Jesus bringing life to a dead situation. Luke chapter 7, it's a story of the widow's son. It's the first resurrection that we're gonna look at over the first three weeks. So let's look at this together. The Bible says in Luke 7, verse 11 Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord, when Jesus sees her, his heart is overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, Jesus said. Then Jesus walked over to the coffin... And he touches it. And the bearers, the palm bearers stopped. Young man, Jesus said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him, gave the boy back to his mother. What an incredible, come on, all right. I'm a little concerned about our Saturday night crew. We've got one person that's alive and well here, I'm telling you. I knew you were alive last week at the worship weekend because I was here for that. So let's unpack this. Jesus encounters a funeral procession. Him and his disciples are walking and they see this incredibly sad scene. The Bible says that there is a widow and her only son has died. Her only son Don't know what happened to the father. Don't know why she doesn't have any children. But the village has gathered around this funeral procession. And Jesus is walking towards it. And there's a coffin coming towards him. So now we get to see how Jesus is going to encounter this dead situation. Now, a couple things that's really important for us to remember about, about widows at that time in this particular situation. Of course, this widow is mourning the loss of her son that he's no longer gonna be there. But her circumstance is even graver than just losing her son if that's not bad enough. You see, widows were extremely vulnerable at the time of Jesus in the gospels. Her losing her only son, she was not only mourning the loss of her son, it put her in an extremely vulnerable situation. You see, it was the children who would have, take, her son would have taken care of her financially, via protection, physically. He would have looked after her, and now she has nobody. Do you get the picture of that? She is absolutely alone and now mourning the death of her only son. So Jesus sees what's happening, and his heart is moved with compassion. And Jesus walks over. Now it says a coffin in this translation. It's not the coffin as you and I would think. Most likely the boy was laid out or the young man was laid out on a type of stretcher. Um, And Jesus walks over and he touches the stretcher, if you will, and... By doing so, he defies ritual, pu- ritual purity of that time. If you go and look at Numbers chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus, as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a Jew, would not have been allowed to touch that which was dead, even the stretcher, even the coffin. So Jesus goes against the cultural norm. His heart and his, compa- his spirit is moved with compassion when he sees this woman grieving in her dead circumstance. And he goes over and he touches it anyway. And then the son of God speaks. And he speaks to the boy who is dead. He speaks to the dead circumstance and he says, get up. And just like that, I mean, can you imagine? I've always wondered like, what did a resurrection look like? I mean, can you imagine? And then the Bible says he got up and Jesus gave the boy back to the widow. You see, Jesus gave life, not only to the boy, literally. Jesus gave life to the widow. He gave life back to her circumstance and her situation. And that's what was symbolized when he gave the alive boy to her. However, how often for you and I, Rather than believing that Jesus can still resurrect dead circumstances in our life, we accept hopelessness. We accept dead circumstances and we say it's over and we give up and we figuratively throw a funeral and mourn our losses. We accept and we mourn dead hopes, dead dreams. We accept dead marriages. We accept dead relationships. We accept dead circumstances. We accept dead end jobs. We accept and we mourn it all like it's just supposed to be that way. And we believe that there's no hope. We just accept this, How this is how it's going to be. Rather than trusting, as we just read, that there is a spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that still lives in us. We accept the lie of the enemy. However, Jesus still desires to bring dead things in our life to life. Look at again at verse 13 in Luke 7. The Lord saw her. Jesus saw the widow and his heart overflowed with compassion. If you are here tonight, if you're watching online, if you're at our homestead campus and you are in the midst of living in a dead circumstance, this should give you hope because Jesus sees dead circumstances and his heart is moved with compassion. So while you may not feel it, may you may not recognize, and you think that Jesus has turned his head, He sees you in your circumstance. And I believe his heart is moved with compassion. It reminds me of Hagar. Hagar in the Old Testament, had a child with Abraham. Sarah kicks her out, and Hagar is with a child, a single parent, and she is all alone. You remember what happens? God comes and visits her, and he reminds her that he sees her. And then she says, she names God and said, he is the God who sees me. God sees us. But then in verse 14. We see that it goes beyond just seeing. It goes beyond Jesus' heart just being moved with compassion. The Bible says that he walked over to the coffin. He walked over to the stretcher with the dead boy and he touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. The beautiful thing that is that Jesus didn't just stop at seeing the situation and being moved with the compassion. Jesus didn't just stop by recognizing, oh, isn't that nice? My heart is moved with compassion and keep walking on. Jesus went against all norms in that culture. Yes, he saw. Yes, he was moved. But he went and he engaged and he did something about it. And that's the effect that Jesus has. He does something about it. He spoke life into existence. And here is a sidebar. This is the implication for us. So while we can look at our own circumstances, we need to step back for a moment. Because one of the markers of our DNA is that we strive to become like who? Jesus. Jesus. So if we are striving to be like Jesus, the implication is, is that when you and I see dead circumstances in others around us, we better do more than just look and be moved with compassion. We better move and engage with those who need love and those who need hope. Jesus didn't stop by simply seeing. He didn't stop by simply being moved with compassion. He went and he engaged. And he spoke life into the circumstance. And then in verse 15, we know that the dead boy, he sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus saw the situation and he was moved with compassion and he immediately spoke life into that which was dead. Jesus revived not just the boy but the widow's circumstance. He gave the boy back to the widow, but he also gave hope back to the widow. He gave joy back to the widow. He gave life back to the widow. It reminds me of the priest and the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament. The Israelites faced a circumstance where they thought it was dead. Last year we talked a lot about Babylonians and Persians coming and taking, uh, destroying the temple and exporting Jewish people and them living in captivity. It was during this time that God raised up the priest Ezekiel to be a prophet and to speak to the Israelites. And during that time of captivity, you can imagine how the Jewish people away from Israel, away from their home, Ezekiel was one of those, they felt they were in a dead circumstance because of their own sin, because of their own rebellion, because they worshiped another God. But the prophet Ezekiel, in chapter 37, God appears to him and he gives him a vision. And listen to the words of the prophet Ezekiel. He says that the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. That was the feeling of the Israelites. They were living in a valley. That which used to be alive, bodies, were now dead and represented dry bones. And that is the picture and the vision that, is, that God gives Ezekiel. And then he says in verse 3, Then he asked me, this is God, asked Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live again? Can these bones live again? God asks Ezekiel. God asks Ezekiel Do you think it's possible that I can bring life to the situation of Israel? And I believe God asked that question, and I ask it of you. With that circumstance in your life, again, it could be a dead marriage that you've given up on. This is just the way it's going to be. Relationship with children. A career that you thought was going to be one thing. Dreams and aspirations, things that God has spoken to you years and years and years ago that you feel are just now dead and gone, and it's just the way it's going to be. Circumstances, situations. I believe God would ask us the same thing he asked Ezekiel. Can these bones live again? What was Ezekiel's response to God? Ezekiel's response was... Then he said to me, well, Ezekiel's response was, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, says Ezekiel, you alone know the answer to that. As I prayed, I was like, why did, that's an odd response <laughs> for a priest, for a prophet. Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you know the answer to that. And I, I was like, well, God, why did, why would Ezekiel say that? I mean, surely, I mean, is his faith not strong enough to know? He recognized God was sovereign. And this is what I believe. Ezekiel, I believe, recognized that God had all the power. But he recognized that God was in control. And Ezekiel's faith was at a place that, God, even if you don't, I'm still going to serve you. Only you know the answer to that. See, there's plenty of people and say, and there's plenty of messages out there, well, you just don't have enough faith. Or you can just expect and guarantee that God's gonna do this in your life because you're a Christ follower. And let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Some of us pastors were talking about this week that Jesus did not promise us that we were gonna walk on mountaintops and clouds and everything was gonna be pretty and it's the lily of the valleys. How many know God didn't promise us that? He promised us trials, He promised us sorrow. He promised us tribulation. Psalmist writes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. But Ezekiel in that moment, when God asked him, can these bones live again? Do you believe that, Ezekiel? He said, God, you are sovereign. I know that you have control over everything. Just as creation, as your spirit breathed in the man, And we became alive. You could breathe into this situation. But he said, God, only you know that. I believe that was the heart behind Ezekiel. And then this is what God said. Ezekiel said, God said, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. He said to me, speak a prophetic message. To these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Dry bones, that which is dead, dead circumstances in your marriage, in your relationship. Listen to the word of the Lord. There is power in God's word. It was in Genesis that God spoke things and they were created. It was Jesus who spoke To a dead widow's son, get up. And he got up. And here with Ezekiel, God is telling Ezekiel, speak to the dry bones and let them listen to the word of the Lord. You see, Ezekiel recognized, and we have to recognize, this is not a self-help remedy or strategy. It is not about us working harder. Now, don't hear me. We need to work harder in our marriages. But it is not something that you can do on your own. Bringing that which is dead back to life takes supernatural power. It takes the same spirit that raised a widow's son from the dead. It takes the same spirit that raised Lazarus. It takes the same spirit that raised Jairus' daughter. It takes the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that Paul says lives in us. To raise dead circumstances in our life, and it comes through the speaking of God, it comes through God's Word. So, here is the application, here's where we bring it home, and how I'll end the dead things in your life you know, the remedy speak God's Word to them, speak truth to them. The things, the dreams, the aspiration. Your children believe God's word. Pray and speak scripture into the dead bones. And then trust that sovereign God will do the rest. He will do the supernatural part. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand. So God said to Ezekiel... Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And then this is what God said. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life And he says, then you will know that I am God. I wanna end our time by us praying corporately together, praying the word of God over the areas in our life that are dead. You don't need to tell me, you don't need to tell the person beside you, even if it's your spouse, even if it's your friend, in your mind, I just mentally, if you would, just present that dead circumstance to God, say, Lord, Here it is. For some of you, it's been dead for decades and you've just lived with the funeral. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to begin speaking life. So whatever that is, would you just take that before the Lord? Right now. And allow me to pray over us. Lord, you desire for us to have life and to have it abundantly. And God, we recognize that that doesn't mean everything is gonna go our way. It's not a fake joy, it's not a fake smile that says, bless God, I'm doing good, when inside we're really not. It's nothing inauthentic or phony. It's not wearing masks. It's looking to you and bringing you the things that need resurrected. And Lord, I know there are some that, Lord, it could be a husband and wife that are here in this room. They could be at homestead. Lord, it could be a husband that's just watching by himself online or a spouse and their marriage is dead. And they've just accepted it. Lord, I pray that you would breathe into it. Lord, I know that there are some, because I've heard the stories and I've talked to them where the relationship with their children is dead. God, I pray that you would resurrect that relationship. Lord, there are some that they have heard you speak years and years and years ago, and they have it written down, whether on paper or in their hearts. And Lord, their circumstance looks nothing like it and they have assumed that it's dead. I pray you would resurrect it. Lord, there are those that are working jobs, those that are gifted. And Lord, you are walking with them and it seems dead. I pray that you would resurrect it. And Lord, even in faith, Lord, I read your word as you spoke to Ezekiel and as you said, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. As you said, that you would put flesh and muscle and cover us with, cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. I pray that that would be the case on all of us. And last but not least, I pray that over these next few weeks, that those who are dead in their faith, they are spiritually dead. I pray that you would bring them here and you supernaturally would bring them to life spiritually. Why? (laughs) So that we would know you are Lord. That you would receive glory. Would you do that in us in the name of Jesus? If you believe that, will you say amen?